Hey there, it's Mark Fig, and welcome back to the Hobbyist Hangout Podcast, the podcast that is for all of the hardcore hobbyists and all of us. You have a bunch of hobbies, you pick things up, you put them down. We all have experienced this in our lives, and this podcast is all about those hobbies and bringing them out and talking about certain ones. Now, I have broken my promise to you from the last time that we did a podcast where I said I was going to be picking these up more. And I'll be completely honest with you is that I just was not finding the motivation in keeping these podcasts going. And the reason that I couldn't find the motivation when I really reflected on it is that I thought this podcast had to be something that I couldn't necessarily make happen. When I first started the hobbyist hangout, I thought, okay, what would be a fun podcast to do to like get people excited, something that I was interested in learning more about. And that was hobbies because we all have them. But the problem is, is I have a bunch of hobbies, but I was like, oh, maybe people want to hear about other stuff. Maybe they want to hear from different people. And I thought that I had to have on a ton of guests that I always had to interview people and, and, and I always have people on. And that just became overwhelming. If I'm going to be totally honest with you, I thought, oh gosh, I got to book these people and get these people on. I have goals and aspirations to do that. I just don't think I'll be able to do that as much as I originally thought that I was going to. You know, when I started my using one of my notebooks here for Parent Fig with all these ideas, I had a ton of ideas on stuff I wanted to do and people I could interview. And I want to do that. But when I really sat down and thought about what was doable, if I'm really going to keep this going and keep this promise going both to myself and to you as well, how am I going to make that happen? And the way that I figured it out for myself was that I have to be able to talk about things that I'm passionate about and that I know that you are as well, but I'm going to have to kind of do those solo. But we can share this experience together from a standpoint of what we're doing. So now that I've got that out of the way, today's topic is actually one of my biggest hobbies because I have a lot of these things. I'm a bit of a collector, if you will. We're talking about notebooks today and the hobby of collecting notebooks. (laughs) If you're like me, you love the paper, you love the personality of these notebooks, you love the brand. And as I was thinking about this hobby of this, I mean, honestly, what really sparked this is recently over on my Men Who Bullet YouTube channel, I went through all of the notebooks in my collection. I literally counted all of them. I reviewed through each one of them, what they meant, where it came from, why I have it. And that number got really big. I got over up to over 145 notebooks as a part of that video. I found a handful of them afterwards. And I was like, this is more than just, this isn't hoarding. (laughs) There's a better word than hoarding for this because I do have intentions of using these, but I guess that's what a hoarder would say as well. But the idea is that, you know, I love notebooks. I am a big fan of bullet journaling. I've been doing it for over five years. Notebooks are part of the vehicle of me being a part of the bullet journal community and doing the bullet journaling for myself. And I was just like, wow, like why? (laughs) What makes a good notebook? Why do we love them so much? And I started to jot down some ideas and I thought this would be really good for the podcast. This would be good to kind of re-kickstart this thing and, and having some more fun with it. So I was thinking back that, you know, before I started bullet journaling, I like notebooks. I've had notebooks, especially being in the design space, um, going to conferences and, you know, they always have like company swag that they're trying to give you. So I have a, an entire basket full of notebooks from conferences. Essentially, we collect those and we use them and we think of these great ideas. I've never been a journaler from a standpoint of like a diary type approach and reflecting I'm trying to get a little bit more into that now, maybe even just capturing moments and things like that. But back in the day, back in high school, I remember a teacher 
it was a part of a creative writing course, was you writing and jotting down your ideas. And it felt like such a chore at the time to write those down. But I like to go back to them now because that's when I was dating you know, my now wife. This was things that, you know, a high school experience. And I was writing these things down and can now go back and remember them that I don't remember a lot of those things. Moving from an analog way of jotting them down in a composition notebook to even things like LiveJournal back in the day. And (laughs) I recently pulled those back up. I was like, does this thing still exist? And it does. Uh, And they're out there and you're just reading through, you know, that chapter of my life and what's happening. For me, bullet journaling and these notebooks now, they're doing that for me in my adult professional life. I keep my bullet journal for work. I include some uh, life things inside of those outside of work as well. Now I'm trying to incorporate kind of all of the things into it and reflections and, you know, capturing those items. And I've had quite a number of bullet journals. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm on my eighth bullet journal now, I think. I'm counting these all correctly. Each one has a specific reason why I had it, why I used it, why I've tried different ones. And even now, you know, receiving them from other brands and having the opportunity and the honor of reviewing a notebook, what makes a good notebook, what it is. And there's so many different brands out there, too, right? I have a bunch of the, you know, Leuchtturm ones, the 1917s. I started with those. You know, Moleskine has been around there forever. I'm a big fan of Archer and Olive. You've seen a lot of my videos, and I was on the Archer and Olive design team. I love their stationery. I love their notebooks. That's why it makes it so much fun. Baron Fig, Dingbats. There's a hundred other brands out there, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, what really makes them great? Is it the paper? Is it the brand name? Is it the materials? And what I've broken it down to is kind of this list is here's what to me makes a great notebook. First and foremost, now as someone who has had a lot of notebooks and you know I've really kind of immersed myself inside of the stationary space paper quality makes such a big difference one of my notebooks was from exceed which was a walmart brand because when i first started bullet journaling i was like what's the cheapest notebook i'm not spending a ton of money on notebooks that's ridiculous i'm just writing things down with pen and i had inexpensive ones and even the uh, even the loister ones like those earlier before the new versions now with 120 GSM paper, they had like 80 gram paper and there was ghosting. And even those cheaper ones that are out there too, ghosted pretty bad or bled through early on. I was like, okay, well, this is a $5 notebook for Walmart. So this is what I'm using. This makes so much sense. But then as I started to use these notebooks more and I started to review them or have the experience of using them, you start to realize, okay, that paper quality is really important. And especially with what you're using in them, whether you're using, you know, just a regular pen or if you're using a fountain pen or markers or, you know, there's tons of different stuff. Let's do a whole podcast just on pen stationery. <laughs> I will be doing that. Uh, we have a lot of things that we have to you know use inside of our notebooks. So let's make sure that that paper quality is good. You know, what type of paper? I'm still learning a lot about that. You know, there's a lot of people who really love uh, Japanese paper. There's different types of paper that's made for fountain pens or regular pens or uh, mixed media, whatever that might be. That I'm not so much worried about. I know it makes a difference. But for me, I think that it isn't as big of a deal. So I don't pay as much attention to it. But I think that the quality, though, regardless of the specific make, is really important. 
The size is also really important as well. Size does matter, especially with notebooks, because you're trying to figure out what's going to work best for you. I've used pocket size notebooks before. I've used the general A5, which is kind of your standard notebook. I'm currently in a B5, which feels massive. And there's even larger notebooks than that. But the size definitely does matter because what you're putting into it, how you're carrying it, where you're using it, is it just at home on your desk? Do you commute to work and take that along with you? If you are writing, you know, diary entries, you know, the security of that, does it have a lock on it? Where do I keep it? What can it fit into if I am trying to hide it are all important things. So the size does really make a big difference. And I've also really been thinking about the personality of notebooks. And this sounds like a very weird thing to say, like, does my notebook have a personality? And I think it does with a leather or a faux leather cover, if it has some cool imprinted design on it, if it, you know, is a part of a collection or a theme or whatever that might be, that personality matters, especially when you're carrying around an analog item like a notebook. It's kind of how you present yourself to other people. Or if you see the cover of that notebook and it makes you happy, that's awesome. That makes a big difference in there. And with so many brands out there and what people are doing with those notebooks, they really develop these personalities. And I and it sounds weird to say this, right? But like I believe that each notebook does have a personality. There's actually a YouTuber. I'll have to find uh, what their name is, but they name each one of their notebooks. Every time they have a new one, they give it a name and the community helps pick. And it's always very cool. I love that about that. I was like, oh, should I do that? But I can't. I can't figure out a name that I would name a notebook and say, hey, buddy, I just love that we have all of these options out there. And it really makes a really big difference in, in how we're doing that. The price, as I talked about, is a factor. As I mentioned just a few minutes ago, I used to go for the very cheap ones, five bucks, bargain bin, whether it was Walmart, Target, or even you know Michaels or other craft stores and things like that always have those bargain bin ones. But after using them for like a little bit and them falling apart, or the pages ghosting horribly, you start to really take a look and say, well, what does a more expensive notebook get me? 15 to 20 bucks, right? Depending on what you're doing. Then we start to look at slightly more expensive notebooks, right? You move into, you know, something like Archer and Olive, which I'm a really big fan of. You know, some of those notebooks are $30, $35. And that feels like a lot of money for a notebook. And I think for a lot of people it is. But when you consider that it has 160 GSM paper, which means it's nice and thick, you don't get that ghosting. They always have very cool covers, whether it is a canvas cover, whether it is a custom print. They've been doing that recently. Uh, they're also starting to experiment more with their paper and what that looks like. You know, silver or gold gilding on the outside, that whole personality element really plays a part into that. But not everyone can afford that. So it's like, you know, a lot of businesses are trying to find like, what's that sweet spot? How can I get good paper quality, but in a less expensive notebook? And will people buy it, especially when it's flooded with so many other notebooks inside of the community? It, it tends to be a lot. And you know, I can say this because I am very fortunate and maybe I have a slightly different you know, perspective on this because I'm fortunate. People send me notebooks to review. It's a really exciting part of being in the stationary community and having what I would call a successful you know, YouTube and Instagram um, channels and things like that is that people start to trust you in what you have to say. And I always give my honest approval, whether I'm being paid or whether I'm gifted a notebook. I want to let you know what's good. And I'm letting you know from my perspective, right? If I'm drawing in this or using a certain pen and it's bleeding through the page with a regular ink pen, I'm going to tell you not to buy it unless you do just want a cheap notebook. Then, hey, you do your own thing. 
But for some of these more expensive ones, you know, they do get very nice. The paper, all these things. I'm like, I'll tell you all the specs, but I can't always say like, is this going to be right for you? I think the best thing to do is really look online and see, watch people using it, see how their pen tests are and really get their true opinion of what's happening. On top of the notebook itself and the quality of the notebook, something else that I think makes a really good notebook is the brand that it comes from. I can speak mostly to Archer and Olive because I've been on the design team. I was fortunate to get to know Bonnie like really early on when she was just kicking the notebook part of this up and other friends of mine were getting involved too. And it was so cool to see somebody who had like a wedding stationery store, which was the original way of like Archer and Olive and grow it into what it is now, which is a pretty big stake, I feel like, in the community, at least from my perspective. But you have Bonnie who, you know, shows that personal side of herself, shares why she does this and why it's important to her. And then if you look at like other brands like Baron Fig, I've done a lot of work with Baron Fig. I talk about Baron Fig and I realize like not everyone necessarily knows who they are, but they make some fantastic work journals. Their do work journal, hands down, one of my favorite journals I've ever used. But the downside to that is that the paper isn't fantastic and I can't have a full enjoyable experience using a notebook if I can see my ink, not just like the ghosting, but if it bleeds through, like there were some days where it just wasn't great, but like, I love that notebook. And I'm like, okay, Mark, use a less inky pen. And I'm like, no, I want to use my, my favorite pens in these notebooks. But, but you have brands like that, that are fun, right? They have a ton of themed notebooks that are out there. I think some of their most famous ones are like the clear habit journal, right? Working with James clear and creating like a habit notebook. They did a collaboration with Chantel Martin, right, who was a fantastic artist and, you know, utilizing words and letters and a lot of her art. Having these type of notebooks are really cool, but you have to kind of come across them. You have to find them and be like, yes, you know, I want that notebook or I think this fits what I want or what I need. And the only way to really get the information, I feel like, is to see other people using it. I do think that's the power of social media is the fact that you are trying to understand what's out there? What options do I have? And I feel like you're not going to necessarily see a commercial or an ad for a notebook in the newspaper or on TV, right? You might see stuff every now and again. So social media really becomes important or general Google searches or YouTube videos and figuring those things out. And But it's the way that the brand is representing itself out there that makes it fun, makes it exciting, makes it professional, uh, you know, makes it whatever you need it to be. And I find that to be really important. You know, how many of, you know, other brands are out there that are not doing nice things in the community or taking advantage and people get wind of that and they're like canceled, right? They're like, I am not doing that. But what are they putting out there? You know, how are they really coming to the table and representing themselves? Are they doing it maliciously or are they doing it just because they know that their users are going to love things like that? Like, where is it coming from? And I think even with brands like Bullet Journal, like Bullet Journal proper, right? BulletJournal.com, Ryder Carroll. I think that's another really interesting example of notebooks because for a very long time, right, they had their Loystrom notebooks uh, when they created their own like Bullet Journal version. But before they created their own notebook out there, I feel like that's all you really saw like Ryder using in a lot of those early photos and videos was like that was the notebook. So going with that brand made a lot of sense. So now you're kind of mixing two things together where you have 
you know, bullet journaling as the brand mixed with a notebook brand and saying, okay, is this going to work well together? Some of the more exciting notebooks right now are like the actual bullet journal notebook itself. They have the edition two that came out and it was like they were listening to the community. They knew what they needed. There's been a whole other just world of like bullet journal as a whole and the love hate relationship in the community. Maybe that's another write that down inside of my notebook as a topic too, because we could talk about that one for a while. They start to take a look at the product and say, okay, maybe early on it was just about a easy notebook, writing it with a pen and being done. But now bullet journaling has grown. It's evolving. People are using different types of pens. They're using different materials in there. And the notebook needs to hold up to it. If people are moving away from 80 GSM notebooks because you can't write in there with a thicker, heavier ink pen and you like to write with those, you're going to go to a different brand. So now with, you know, Loisterum moving towards like 120 GSM paper, which is higher quality, you can take on more pens. You know, now you're really mixing together a lot of the favorites where Bullet Journal, for instance, is putting mixing really, you know, the directions how to Bullet Journal in their notebooks. And it's coming from Loisterum and you get all of the great benefits of it inside of here, right? And you start to like mix those things together and you're like, okay, cool. Bullet Journal is promoting this. I like Bullet Journal's approach. I like those notebooks. Or in my case, I was kind of like, I like Bullet Journal proper and I like Ryder and I like what he's doing, but like, I don't love those notebooks. So it's been interesting for me too, to think about like what my next Bullet Journal is going to be. Should I try things that are different? And I, I definitely think that I will. But it makes a really big difference, I feel like, in, in how we're looking at notebooks. I've also been thinking a lot about, you know, the features of notebooks and what's really important. We talked about paper quality and all of that. But, you know, let's talk about page numbers. How important are page numbers inside of these notebooks, especially when bullet journaling? Super important. It's one of my big things. I mentioned it in a recent video I did on YouTube about like wants from the community with with Archer and Olive because they have like all these new releases and um, cool products coming out. And it's like, I want numbered pages in there and they don't have it. And like, okay, well, what's my balance? Great paper. I really like the brand. It's, you know, it's always been successful for me in using that versus another brand that has page numbers in there, but maybe the paper isn't as great. And we go up and down, right? And we have to really think about, well, what am I willing to give up? What do I absolutely must have to be able to do these things? And it's a real balance to try to find that perfect notebook. Now, as we close out today's podcast, I'm going to actually share with you what my perfect notebook looks like. Before I share all of mine, I'd love to hear from you, whether you write them in the comments or hit us up on social media at Hobbyist Hangout or on YouTube. I'll be posting these on my Men Who Bullet channel there. Let me know what your perfect notebook is, whether you already own it or whether you'd like to create your own. I'd love to hear from you. So here is what my perfect ideal notebook looks like. It is 160 GSM paper, nice and thick, bright white, not cream. Not meh white, bright white. Want that. I want numbered pages inside of my notebook. I want them on all of my pages in my notebook. I need that. Also, I want my notebook to have dot grid pages uh, from lined and grids and other things. I find dot grid to be the most versatile and I really love that. I want it to have a built in index. I absolutely love my index as a part of my bullet journal method. I think it is the brain of the operation I've said before, and I think it is, so I need to have that. Size-wise, I want the options between an A5 and a B5. Then I also love square, so like size maybe doesn't matter necessarily, but I need all of these other options in here. And I would love to have over 200 pages in this notebook. 
I am personally not worried about how thick my notebook is. There's some people like really thin paper and kind of a low profile. I don't care personally. I want nice thick pages that can hold up the fountain pens and uh, pit artist pens and other favorite stationery. And I want to have over 200 pages because I feel like I blow through notebooks so quickly. So I need to have all of that. I also really want to have cool cover options, whether it's fabric, whether it's faux leather, whether it's some weirdo material. Like I would love to like find different ways to like have fun with those. I think there are some really cool notebook covers, even like the outlines notebook that is like the weatherproof notebook. Um, you know, stuff like that is very neat. But I also want to have something that's like a cool business professional. You know, I think about a lot of my favorite notebooks that I've even had from Archer and Olive. And for the most part, those are relatively basic. And even, you know, the Loysterums and other ones too, they're blue, they're red, they're black, um, because I, you know, take that to work with me and I want to look professional. But then I also really love to have some of these cool covers and like the little stamp things on the front of it or whatever it might be. So, you know, maybe options are what I'm looking for really there. And I want it to be from a cool brand. I don't want anyone that is, you know, selling their soul to the devil to have a perfect notebook. Do not sell your blood. Do not give your voice to a sea witch, but just be like a cool business owner and be like, hey, I'm creating this notebook because I know that I love these. I value these things as a part of my product. And I know that other people value them as well. And, you know, someone once said to me, like, Mark, why don't you just create your own notebook then? Like, if you have all of these things you want, I'll be honest, I don't know how the hell to do that. I wouldn't even know the first place to start. (laughs) I would love to create my notebook or like partner with someone to create that notebook. So if you are interested in partnering with me, let me know. Hit me up. I'd love to do that. But I think that it's just overall, you know, trying to get a lot of nice things. That planner piece we talk about a lot, right? How do we find a way to be just so excited about the notebook that we use every single day? Like That's what I'm searching for as a part of this. And yes, I have a huge collection. I see these as pieces of art at this point now. It's collecting art, cool covers, new papers, new sizes, you know, meeting new brands, doing things like that. I want that to continue to grow, but simultaneously also find ones that I can actually use. It's nice to have something up on a wall that looks really neat, but I also need it to be functional, right? I uh, Recently, someone dubbed my style minimal twist. It's minimalist with a twist. Like I also want that from my notebooks. I want them to be able to, you know, look really cool, but have a twist to them that makes them really excited. For whatever reason, I keep thinking about like, I want a bullet journal mullet. (laughs) I want business in the front and I want party on the inside of it. I want to have fun using this and I want people to be like, that looks awesome. Where did you get it? Uh, That's the coolest thing ever. And I feel like I try to do that with my bullet journal pages and add in some fun. But I also need that from the notebook. Like, hide me up, notebook. Like, let me let's work together on this. All right. So that's going to wrap up this podcast today. I appreciate you hanging out. I appreciate you continuing to listen to this podcast. I'm going to try to be more active now that I've come to a self-acceptance of what this podcast is going to be. We have a lot of cool things that we can talk about and, and kind of going into. I think it'd be super fun. Make sure you hit me up on Instagram at Hobbyist Hangout for this podcast. And of course, you can also find all of my bullet journal videos, uh, both on YouTube at youtube.com slash men who bullet. And then also my Instagram at men who bullet for more bullet journaling and notebook fun stuff. So I'll talk with you later on. Thanks so much for hanging out for the Hobbyist Hangout. See ya.